Hello and welcome to this special Halloween edition of the Best of Fives, where we will be counting up the best five scariest movie moments. And by we, I mean me. I'm Dave, and I am joined by, uh, I'm going to call you the king of Halloween. Oh, Lord. That's Matt. That's, that is a dangerous no, what is the title. I almost said nomenclature. That's not right. That's a dangerous title to put on me in the groups I hang out with this time of year. It's Halloween Horror Nights is in full swing, and there are a lot of Halloween fans, people that Halloween is almost a daily occurrence all year round, so I wouldn't dare use that in those groups. But I guess for best of fives, with the cast we've had so far, I'll take it, but by no means would I ever consider myself the king of Halloween. Okay. Well, you're my king of Halloween. I, I, I mean, like that. We we all all it's, I mean Neo's as is a is a collective, and uh, Halloween Horror Nights is the flagship as far as Halloween goes. But I think everybody that's involved is like a really big Halloween fan, from all the co-hosts on Star Wars and character to all the way down the line, and and the Grady's and all that kind of stuff. We're Halloween people. Yeah, yeah, it is our biggest holiday. It's like, it's it became our biggest holiday on the network without us like discussing it. It's just when we had more than uh, just a couple shows, when we started building a library, an, an actual network, we um, started to, Chris, or, uh, Halloween specials started to roll in from everybody, from all channels. And it's not something we sat and said, hey, let's make a big deal of Halloween. It just happened to be... All of us like it so much. There's something we want to talk about. Halloween was coming that year, whatever it was, uh, and that it just kind of happened organically like that. And we kept going, and it hasn't been any kind of stretch. It's like you kind of get into these these annual traditions, and sometimes you're, it gets all last minute because ideas escape you. We are doing this. We are coming close to like not year round, but I've started recording in summer for this because there's so much I want to do every Halloween and. People have been checking if we're other shows or I'm doing these other things so that they can cover it when Halloween comes. It's it's it is a huge Halloween for Neozaz. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Or a huge holiday, I should say. Yeah, it's it's I mean, we've done Christmas stuff, we've done probably that's about it, but nothing come comes close to what is put out on this network for Halloween. And I'm happy to be a part of this to add to that uh I don't know. I just feel like it's like uh something great that we do and I, i'm proud to be a part of it yes well i am too and i'm proud you're you're part of it as well and that we're doing this episode which is uh man I, I, i'm curious to what your intentions were and then i'll tell you what my definition was okay yeah that's that's what i was going to ask you because this could be taken lots of ways what scares somebody is a pretty uh Hard thing to nail down. There are many ways to be scared in a movie. So I'm interested in where you went with this. What I did is I went with how it made me feel then when I saw it. Not necessarily even now, but the visceral reaction that I had upon seeing my list for the first time. What okay, about, my, what about uh, you? Mine's in the same realm. It is. It was definitely the the first time I saw it. How did it make me feel? And along with that, it it was it had to be something I physically reacted to. Like I can see a uh, a horror movie, and I can see this one character slaughter everybody, and my I'm sure my heart rate and everything goes up and down, but I might not necessarily react. 
I have to remember like wincing at least, the very least, or jumping out of my seat in a sense. And I added to that, I couldn't get out of my head well after the movie was over. Oh, that's a good point because that fits mine too. These oh, things, okay, gotcha. these things all affected me on some level, days and in some cases longer afterwards. Right, right. Yes, yeah, exactly. And there's some when the idea of a couple of these still come up today, I still like I sh- shudder. Maybe not as much as when I saw it on screen, but it just gives me a little like, oof, you know, I forgot about that. I don't want to remember that again. Right. Okay. This is going to be fun. Um, I'll go first. And I think the first thing that I struggled with was the difference between a scary scene and a jump scare. And yes. Yeah, that, I agree completely. Yep. That, that There are jump scares that I certainly remember. And, and that really got me thinking about all this. So what I did for myself was I allowed myself only one jump scare. And I have honorable mentions that I'm sure we'll get to eventually. But I have only one jump scare. The rest are scenes. And my jump scare is my number five. Okay. My number five is I'm calling this Michael Myers kills the girl on the phone in Halloween 2. I don't know if you remember the scene. Yeah, I had the Halloween is like the hot franchise for Halloween Horror Nights right now, and they did Halloween 2 just two years ago. So even though it's been two years since I've seen the movie, it's been recent. It's not like I watched it since 1980 when it was out. So, yes, I know what you're talking about. Okay. This had a big impact on me as a as a young person and the scene that i'll briefly set is at this point it's near the beginning of the movie and some nameless girl who lives down the street is watching the news reports on tv and talking to a friend on the phone about uh the events that happened to laurie strode and nancy loomis that night and she says to her that's right down the street and i remember just starting to feel that feeling of adrenaline that you know something is going to happen and this is what john carpenter is great at it's brilliant, and I think – I know they're doing this new Halloween. I think that Halloween 2 should not be forgotten as <laughs> part of the original storyline, and I believe like what Carpenter can do with this long tension, and you know something's going to happen, and you never see it coming in these if it's a good filmmaker. The thing you never see coming in this one is that he comes in from below, and it's something that you don't expect. The kill shot in it is subtle and still disturbing. He pops up from the bottom and gets her. And I still to this day when I watch it, I know it's coming. And I know it's going to happen, but I can never time it to the second one. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And this blew me away when I was little. And it's still one of those things that sticks with you. Uh, I think the first two Halloweens are masterpieces. And it's probably one of the reasons that I like horror at all. So there are a lot of great jump scares. But this is my one. If I'm going to put... Uh, scary movies on a list. I have to include Halloween, and the best example of the slasher is what John Carpenter did with Michael Myers, and it's him popping up from below and getting the girl in the throat on the phone in Halloween 2. Okay. Well, mine is probably going to surprise you that it would even be on the list, because it's top five scariest movie moments, and it's not a horror movie. In fact, it's... The movie itself, you probably wouldn't even think. In fact, this whole franchise, you wouldn't think, would have anything that would disturb me to the point of putting on the list. But I think it's a scene that people forget about this movie because people talk about this movie about how long and boring and drawn out it is. They forget that just about the opening scene in Star Trek The Motion Picture features two people 
stuck in a malfunctioning transporter being torn apart on the molecular level and screaming for their lives. Oh, in the first it, one. Yep, in the very first one. It is the idea behind this. I saw this on TV as a kid, like probably three or four years after it was out in theaters, thinking, okay, I'm going to sit and watch you know, colorful sets and, and Captain Kirk in a gold shirt hit somebody on the back with his two-fisted death punch and have fun and the first thing i see are two people being torn apart (laughs) bit by bit in this transporter and i could not sleep the rest of that night and i could i don't even remember watching that movie for the first time because all i could think about were these two people screaming in pain as they were being disintegrated extremely slowly I love that it's not a, ho- a horror movie. It's, right? it's great. No, no one would think of that. The bald chick and uh, <laughs> all that. That's all I remember from that. I remember that. That's cool. That's no one does. No one does because there's so much after. There's so much movie after that, and I mean, there is so much movie after that where absolutely nothing happens. That's all everyone talks about. But no, this starts off with probably the most horrific. It probably I was just say the most horrific death in Star Trek. It's probably the most horrific scene in any Star Trek putting them all together they've <laughs> never done anything like that before nor after it was terrifying just the like again the idea of it now the effects don't hold up right 40 years later but the idea of it is just it's awful and i will say that's the only non-thriller slash horror movie on my list okay that's a great one <laughs> all right my number four this is a, this is probably the most recent movie on my list and uh, I believe it's still on Netflix, and I brought this up on one other show. It is The Babadook, and it is the bedroom scene in The Babadook when Mr. Babadook actually comes. Uh, so The Babadook, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to say too much because I don't know how many people have seen it, but if you haven't, you should. It's an Australian horror movie. It is shit your pants good. <laughs> and this scene where he comes is relentless and menacing and it's all about sound i think i'm very affected by sound Mm -hmm. and the voice of mr babadook is one of the scariest things i've ever experienced in any movie ever uh and the sound in this surrounds you and it confuses you and it's combined with the darkness and the visuals you feel like you can't get out of the situation and then and that you can't make it go away it's so i just got a chill as I'm sitting here talking about it, um, I will never try to recreate the sound of Mr. Babadook saying Babadook, but when I hear it, I get a chill down my back. And this wow. is like I saw this as a grown ass man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the the Babadook, the bedroom scene is my number four. I've not seen that, but I've heard nothing but praise from people whose opinions I tend to agree with on movies. So I do need to see that. And yeah. now is the perfect time of year to watch that. Yes. Yep. Okay, my number four, not horror, but definitely a thriller, and it is based around a series of murders, all which are horrific and have a theme. I'm talking about the movie Seven, and the killer is played by an actor that I don't think you're allowed to mention publicly any- anymore right now, you or ever say, again. I'll bleep it out when I edit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I'd rather leave it at that. Everyone knows what, who it is and what I'm talking about, so no, no sense in giving you the extra work. So... The seven, if you don't know, just in case, it's about a a murderer that is using the seven deadly sins as inspiration. And the scene where they find his victim, who is representing sloth, 
scared the hell out of me and stuck with me. Do you remember this scene? Yeah, it's an honorable mention. I love Is it. Is it really? Oh, God, yeah. When they when they find what they thought was the body and how they how the killer preserved this guy and kept him alive with like just like barely alive and just pieces of his body in jars and and the IVs and the human waste all over him and then all of a sudden he he breathes because he's still alive he gasps he's still alive oh like you said getting chills just just thinking about that gasping scene is giving me chills it's oh that is. That is it. That was an effective scene in that movie. That is a perfect choice. Yeah. And and were you able to see that in a crowded theater? No, it was a midnight screening at the theater it worked out. So it was it was enough people to get a reaction, but I can imagine in a pack theater was like ten times the effect. Yeah. It was it was crowded, like sold out theater and everybody thought exactly what you did. Oh, this is a body and it's gross. Yep. And you look at everybody's looking at how gross it is. He was missing his hand because he had cut off the hand yep. to use. He used to make fingerprints on yeah. another murder scene. Yep. Yeah. And like <laughs> envy or something like that. He used uh, the help hand. Me. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, every- yeah. No. Yeah. I forget which. Yeah. I know what you mean. I forget which murder scene it was. But yeah. 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 And everyone's just sitting there looking. Oh, this. Look at this. This gross body. And then it breathes right in somebody's yeah. face, too. It might have been like they were leaning in. Yep. That whole scene is great too, and the, it has he has the air fresheners hanging from the ceiling, so oh, the, right, yep. <laughs> so the smell isn't going out, and uh, all the SWAT guys. It's John C. McGinley who fucking kills everything he ever does. <laughs> yep. He's in there, and oh, what a great scene! And yeah, that breath. Mm. That's a great one. Yep. All right, uh, what you got next? My number three. This is a, this is one where now I don't, I don't know if this holds up, but I'm putting myself back in time, and my number three is the end scene of the original paranormal activity. <laughs> I used to be very afraid of ghosts. I mean, to, a, I think, an unhealthy extent. And now I'm not at all. Like, like zero. Like, zero. And seeing this now, I might find this incredibly stupid. Mm. But at that time, I was a mess after watching this. And part of this is because it's such a natural setting. And they use the security camera motif so well. It's like a a setting you see every day, your bedroom and your house. This messed me up in my own home. I couldn't sleep. I I was afraid to be in my own house after seeing this. I saw this with Chris from Star Wars in Character and Pass the Popcorn. And you know how they show on commercials this experience where they show the audience <laughs> and, and everyone's screaming. We have I remember that, one woman running out of the theater down the middle of the aisle in that commercial. That happened to us. Oh, really? <laughs> we had we had that experience that you see as this contrived uh, advertisement. Oh, it's so scary to look at the people in the theater and people ran out. No, we had that happen to us. The tensions building. You know, nothing happens. <laughs> you see a door closes every once in a while and as the tension builds and builds to that end scene where something does finally actually happen i remember some lady actually got up it was just like in the thing oh <laughs> hell no you know and she ran out of the theater and i think that added to it um, oh yeah i can see that yeah like, we were scared shitless chris and i two grown men <laughs> watching nothing and ladies running out of the theater. And I couldn't sleep for weeks. Uh, uh, so to see it now, I'd probably think, well, what, what the hell was I even scared of? But at that time, the end scene of Paranormal Activity is my number three. I have never liked that movie. I'll flat out admit it. <laughs> <laughs> not when it when it was out and not now. 
Okay, that's funny. You said I, it's I, you want it, it's a, from a different uh, source uh, when you said I'm not sure if it holds up today. Mine is because of age, but I remember watching this and I couldn't get it out of my head. It's not even really necessarily the most scary part of this movie. It's just a visual that I couldn't get out of my head. It was gross. It was like I can't watch this yet. I can't look away. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it's from 1986 version of The Fly. And it's right when Jeff Goldblum kind of starts to fall apart. I call it the mirror scene. I don't know what it's called. But he's in front of the mirror and just basically pulling pieces of his body off. His hair, his skin, his teeth. It's just it's this long shot. It's an incredible makeup shot. I don't know who did the makeup. I would, if, I would not be surprised if Rick Baker had something to do with it. But Jeff Goldblum... This is like these, the beginning of the end of his transformation, and he's just pulling these, like I said, just parts of his face and his hair and his mouth out on camera. And it just just gave me this incredibly uncomfortable feeling and just can't stop thinking about it at the time. And every once in a while now, when I like if I think I like hit if I get smacked <laughs> in the face by something usually my wife's fist because I'm doing something stupid. You know, I check my teeth, see if they're loose, and I think the I think of that scene, I get grossed out. <laughs> it's the teeth. The teeth are the yep. worst part. Yeah, absolutely. No uh, Fly 2 with uh, Eric Stoltz? <laughs> well, I will say that the the larval man thing at the very end was kind of <laughs> creepy, but it didn't, it didn't stick with me too long. Okay. <laughs> All right, my number two. And I just talked about this on an episode of The Grady's and how this affected me. And it's shot all the way up to number two. And I'm going to call this scene Room 237 in The Shining. Mm, okay. Uh, I was way too young to see this when I saw it. And uh, it damaged me for a while. Uh, I did read The Shining, the novel, afterwards. And... In the movie, I mean, it's just kind of creepy. It doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot other than he wanders into a creepy room. But as far as this backstory, there is a backstory to it. That woman is somebody in the book. Mm, okay. She's, this uh, is the uh, the the woman in the well, bathtub. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't want to give away if you're telling the story. Okay, okay. No. Make sure I was on the same page. Yeah, it's it's the... Because my copy's in the freezer. I can't look at it and find <laughs> out. How do you know that? That's a friend's joke. <laughs> I know. That's like the only one I know. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you know friend stuff. Some stuff. I know stuff. I'll give you that. Not a lot, but I know that. Do you know the book he switches to after The Shining? That I do not know. He switches to Little Women. Oh, God. <laughs> But I, that lady in the book, her name is Mrs. Massey, and in the book, she, uh, back in the day, in the, I think it's probably supposed to be the 70s, in the Overlook Hotel, she goes to that room to have an affair with some guy. The guy ends up stealing her car and ditching her, and she's so upset by it, she kills herself in that bathtub. Mm. So that's why she's in there, looking sexy at first, and then looking... Anything but. Anything but, yeah. Later. That visual is such a striking visual. It's that laugh. It's the sound again. I'm really affected by sound. That sound of that lady laughing and stumbling after him after he's been making out with her. Um, that makeup, the spookiness. Uh, I think now when you watch it, it's more startling because it's it's got something sexual to it, which makes it more perverse in some way. That he is at some point making out with a decomposing old lady. <laughs> True. Yeah, um, you're not wrong. I I love that scene. It's it will always be 
a, a stunner for me. And anytime I see it, this is one that does hold up. And I did see it when I was little, but as a 40-something old man, it still affects me. So that's my number two. Nice. All right. Well, my number two, and I don't know if I'm taking anything from your number one, but if I am, I'm going to guess it might be a different scene than what people think of when you say this movie. I'll tell you the movie, and then and then I'll tell you the scene. I'm talking about the Blair Witch Project. Okay. Okay, there's silence. I wasn't sure what to say. <laughs> and most people would talk about the end scene with the, I don't remember the characters' names, but the kid standing in the corner and then the guy that's holding the camera gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scary. But for me, watching this, it was this, I call it the screaming in the woods, where they can hear the missing guy in the distance coming from all directions but can't find him, and like it just has this ramp up to them completely panicking. I just got another fucking chill. Yeah, it's the sa- and it has to do with the sound and that. And it's not even necessarily good sound because of the way they filmed this, but the fact that he's so far away. It's the echoing, it's the distance, their performances are good, and it reminds me of exactly the area I grew up in, which gave it another element of freakiness, really through the whole movie, but for this part, even more so. That scene, watching that, and I watched this, I watched it, I was late to the game. I watched it on pay-per-view mm. at like 3 in the morning. No one in the house, pitch black, Recently moved to Florida. It only been a few years, and still, so still having my home area where I grew up fresh in my mind. That scene was like up until that point. I'm like, okay, this is all hype, hype, hype. And that scene came up, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, okay, I get it. It's like I was uncomfortable. I was like, I need to see this through. I can't pause it. I have to watch it, and it was all. Like the hype was over, and then I was into that movie and gave it its its the credit it deserved, especially considering the history and the budget and how they did it behind it. But that is was a start of the turning point of that movie for me. Them screaming at each other in the woods. Yeah, yeah, uh, great choice, and it goes right into my number one. I wasn't gonna say what I wanted, like <laughs> <All right. laughs> anybody that knows me knows how much that movie affected me, and it's more than I want to say almost anything as far as far as a fear level. And it's one of those now, uh, if I were to watch it, I'd probably, I've seen it since several times. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything to me now. But at that time, mine is the final scene. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. But everything you're saying about that other scene is great. And, and when they're, the scene prior, when they're outside there, you just hear like this kind of voice outside the tent and they decide to get out and she's running. What the fuck is that? And I want (laughs) to know what the fuck is that? (laughs) Because it was that less is more kind of idea, and yeah, what you're yeah. thinking is far scarier than anything they could afford to put on film. They had no money, but brilliant. And the fact that it's woods, I hate the woods. I'm afraid of the woods. I, it, <laughs> this, Are you really? Oh God, I don't. I, I, I other than that. I will go fishing as long as there's a road nearby and I can okay. get to my car quickly. If I have to go out in the woods, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's that idea of, of being lost or i mean just what happens in the i mean christy talks about this being these lonely movies i can't imagine her ever watching this movie no she did that's why i had that's why i had the opportunity to watch it we were we weren't married yet we were living together and i believe actually not that this well let's face it halloween is also turning into a ongoing commercial halloween horror nights at neo's as but it was i think it was halloween horror nights she used to work it back in the day when we got married so or before we got married so she was probably working one of those nights and i had like time to watch it in the middle of the night when you should watch a horror movie like that. And yeah, you think she wasn't there. Actually, I don't know. I think a lot of that movie had to do with setting for me, because like I said, I could picture this happening in many places where we grew up. Yeah. 
she grew up on an island. I don't know that it would have the same effect for her. That's a really good point. Uh, to her, this is this is she doesn't have that frame of reference that we do. This actually looks a lot like where you grew up. Yeah, and yeah. including parts of the house, even like for yeah, some right? reason to me. <laughs> You're kind of right. Yeah, yeah. For someone that lives, this is supposed to be Burkittsville, Maryland, which looks a lot like Bucks County, Pennsylvania, yeah. where we grew up. And uh, this is a movie I think that is better to watch at home. I certainly saw it in theaters and the theater that I worked at was not one of the original theaters that got it, but I remember they had this ad campaign where you had to write in and get them to send it to your town because they oh, only had wow. they okay. only had a certain number of copy prints of the movie. Right, yeah, it so makes sense. You had to like really let the filmmakers know that you were going to show up if they were going to send a print to your town. And yeah. they did and they did and they did and they made, you know, 20, 30, 40 fold what you know, oh, yeah. Cost way more oh, yeah. than that. Um, but I think this is better watching at home because it's supposed to be found videotape-ish. Yep. And so, it's like, I don't know if this is the very first one, but it was the first effective one that I've seen. The found footage style yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it would make sense that you're watching it at home. The the way it was presented with no credits, just this is found footage that was found in Burkittsville, Maryland, blah, 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 blah. And the film starts. You know, that that makes it work. I was really into the, I, this in Cloverfield. I think I feel a lot about the same uh, because I was really into the mythology of both of them. They, mm-hmm. did, they did a good job with this, with Blair Witch, that it was Mike, Heather and Josh, and that these were three people that you didn't know and they were missing. And a lot of people thought it was real. Now I never thought it was real. Yeah. I mean, neither, but, but... I liked what they were going for. Yep. And, I could uh, I could see I could see where some people do not on the we were also uh, at the time we were just coming off being we were not in the, I don't want to say the movie business but we were we were working in movie theaters we were projectionists so we're reading trade papers a lot between films and we probably heard about this even though we were both out of that that by then oh yeah you might you might have still been working I was but we I definitely had had heard buzz about this early on years before it came out so yeah i could see someone just you know jumping on this hype train oh what's this movie i just saw an ad for with all these blurbs from reviewers and then thinking wait a minute was that a movie or was that real not knowing the history behind it yeah exactly and it was when the internet was still fledgling that's a good point too yep so they could put up a, a website consisted of you know jpegs that you clicked on and it was like okay well that looks like something they found under a rock in, a, in the woods and you know they it was they they the interviews were really well done to make it like it was just a bunch of locals out there in the middle of nowhere maryland they did such a good job with it um i saw this even still i i was very afraid for a long time and i and i'm embarrassed how afraid i was because of this movie i lost so much sleep over this movie uh and i was able to see it in the poconos with a philadelphia accent Uh, and had to drive home through the woods after seeing it and that didn't help either no oh my god i can't imagine doing that (laughs) but i uh it's that end scene and that image of mike standing in that corner uh will forever be burned in my mind in some way and i'm not afraid of it anymore but for, (laughs) for a very long time I would not be able to sleep because I could get, not get that that image of that man standing in that corner out of my head. And it's great filmmaking. And that's my number one. 
when you said that thing they found under the rock, I was thinking that the little like the little triangle ish people that were all over in the one scene. Yeah. There was a on Trailer Park Boys. It's a Canadian sitcom for anyone who hasn't heard of it. It's uh, it take a long time to explain, but it's a Canadian sitcom. And virtually every episode they're trying to make money. In this episode, they're trying to make a porno and they're calling it the Blair Pimp or the Bear Pimp Project. <laughs> and they had those little triangle stick things, but they had like little green leather jackets on with uh, with with white cheetah trim and little hats on them. <laughs> That's great. It was really funny. So, okay, my number one. Well, I'm going to say my number one should be the first look of E.T. in E.T. Because that <laughs> is the most terrifying thing ever put on celluloid. <laughs> That's great. However, I, I think my number one, the one that I don't, I, I don't think I've seen this movie more than once. I've seen its sequels, but, and it's, and it's probably because of this this scene because it is so uncomfortable to watch and just the idea of even one of these things doing what a I'd say two dozen of these things do to this character I don't even want to exper- experience that I am talking about the finale of the original Hellraiser hmm. Have you seen this? I've never seen any of the Hellraisers. Okay, well the character Frank, who has been playing with the box through this whole movie, ends up getting set up by his I forget what what relationship this woman is to her. She's makes him the sacrifice this is really broad stroking it, the sacrifice to the Cinnabites, to Pinhead and the Cinnabites. This is funny, you don't we don't ever see Pinhead until the, the last in this scene of the movie. And he's the most iconic character from this movie. Right. When he is the sacrifice, these chains with hooks, we're talking, they look like fish hooks, but they're about, they got to be like a uh, like an eighth inch thick. And they're black and a little rusted. Like a dozen of them come and just, not even a dozen, I'm sorry, like two dozen of them come shooting out from, you know, all places in the shadows, dig into him, string him up in the rafters of the ceiling. He starts to laugh. His last words are, Jesus wept, like, very shittily, like sarcastically, and then all the chains fly and rip the flesh and skin right off his bones. Oh my god. <laughs> that is like one of the most horrific horror scenes ever. And I was so I guess maybe disturbed is the word because I've never watched it again. So disturbed by that scene I could not watch it again. Because oh, it's just horrific. It is interesting that you've never seen it again. Yeah, it must it must have affected you. It did, yep. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch it. Nah, maybe I won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it probably again, it probably doesn't hold up. It's a, I think it's I think Hellraiser's in the eighties. You know, less, the effects are different, budgets were smaller for those kind of movies. So it probably doesn't hold up, but you know, seeing it not knowing what was gonna happen and the and most of these, in fact, I would say I would say all of them. It's half the idea of them and half you know, seeing that idea come to realization in the movie. It's it's just so the idea behind it alone makes me not want to see it again, no matter how much the effects hold up or don't hold up. Very cool. Do you have any honorable mentions? I do. I do. And first honorable mention is Misery, the ankle break scene. Ooh. Oh, I, who, who, who did not wince at that? Seeing <laughs> yeah. that in the theater. In That's... fact, it was, that was a part of the trailer. That was the end of the trailer. It was her swinging, and you knew what she was swinging at, and I think everyone winced in the trailer, even though I cut the black before the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah, that one holds up, the the hobbling. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. Um, just about every s- scene Reagan has in The Exorcist, I don't like to watch again, but I will. Her crawling down the stairs, I think, maybe is the most poignant one. That spider Backwards. walk? Yeah. Yeah, and that wasn't in the original film, was it? Wasn't that a deleted, or is that in every cut oh, of the movie? Now? I don't know. I, the cut I have isn't super old. It's definitely not an original VHS or anything, so maybe. It, th- you might be right. I think that was cut because they thought it looked bad, and it was an, a deleted scene. And because it kind of does look bad, but it works, it's so jaunty, it, it disturbs you. They, yes. I think, have added it now into subsequent okay. releases. I'll buy that. That's very possible. My my exorcist history is not extensive. My only like uh, iconic kill in this is, and again, it's like it's just it's the whole scene. Well, it's it's the kill, and then the the just the we're talking just a split second after this. It's from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one. Yeah, it's when Leatherface bashes the guy in the head with a hammer. <laughs> and then pulls him behind that steel door and just grabs that door and slams it violently. That whole scene just works really well. Yeah, it's one I like. Was like, ooh, that was pretty brutal. But then I, it didn't. I remember it, but it doesn't affect me like these other do other ones do. But it's it's a good slasher flick. It, he's a horror icon. It's it's probably one of the best horror icon kills for me. Yeah, I have that as an honorable mention too. Oh wow, okay. It's, it's the door. It's the it's, it's the door. You're right. It, without without that, it's not as effective. Yeah, because you it it it's the kill, and that's fine. It it is whether it's real or a sound effect. It is the perceived weight of that door and what it takes for him to slam it shut, and the fact that he does slam it shut that lets you know how powerful he is. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the door. The door's the scariest part. Yeah. And, and, how about your? That's that's my uh, that's the only ones I wrote down. What do yeah, you okay. got? I have uh, my Exorcist is actually Exorcist three, which I no, really? okay. <laughs> I it is it's a crap movie. It's a total crap. I mean, it's a forgettable movie. I won't say it's crap, but I remember seeing this in theaters. I used to go to the movies by myself a lot. This came out in the early nineties, and being the only person in a Sunday night showing of The Exorcist three and shitting my pants <laughs> at this very well done scene of a long hallway in a hospital, and I, I never look online to get my list. I get my list from me. But I, ha- I did after I made my list just see, eh, maybe I forgot something. This actually gets included on people's lists, and I'm surprised that it has a place in this because it's yeah. it's not something people think of. No, I, I would have not. Uh, in fact, anything when I was thinking horror-wise, including Hellraiser, I never would think past the original film because usually they're not as good. But that, So that is interesting. Yeah, and they're not. These are both – two is awful, and three is okay just because George C. Scott chews scenery. Um, <laughs> there's some um, this long hallway shot where the camera just – sits and all you're doing is looking down a hallway and you just see kind of activity going on down the hallway. I won't say too much else because uh, I don't think a lot of people saw this or remember it. And if you haven't, Google on or YouTube hallway scene Exorcist 3. You'll get a jolt. You still will. Okay. Uh, I have the visual, that amazing visual of the body bag scene in the beginning of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, being drugged through the halls of the high school, uh, and and leaving a trail of blood behind it. I'm not a big Freddy Krueger fan, but Wes Craven really killed, kicked ass with that scene. That that's a good one, and that has stuck with me. Um, one of the, one of the things we brought up on this other show, and I did bring up The Shining, was Summer, who knows more about horror than either of us. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, this was hers, and it's an honorable mention for me. It's Zelda, the sister in uh, Pet Cemetery, the one with like that has like the spina bifida or whatever her deal is. Oh God! Oh my God! That thing. Uh, that was uh. that was maybe my five point five. That thing is. Oh God! I can't even talk about it. Yeah, Zelda. I think that's her name. Okay. <laughs> Just forget it. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, the. Uh, the only other real mainstream one I have, and because the, 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 it's like you said, these slasher movies aren't necessarily that scary. They're just kind of gory, and you do jump a lot. The best jump in any of the Friday the 13th is is the very first and only time you see Jason in the original. The the little kid jumping out of the lake. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. And, yeah. And it's, it's a good jump. Uh, other than that, you could pick a million things in these where he pops out and you jump a little but I, I, that right. one that one's that one has a little bit of a special place yeah that one that is that's like yeah because you see the kid after knowing the story and it's 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 yeah it's uh yeah it's a tough one that that's a that's a tough one to, to forget about when you first see it yeah i and, and i've i for a phase i was also very afraid of the j horror the originals and the american remakes um, Juan, especially the, there's this you like the, the you look under the sheets and the Japanese girls in the sheets and the little boy with the mouth open and that noise that grudge noise I hate that shit <laughs> yeah. so that scared me for a little while um, and I have another couple actually newer ones uh, if you haven't seen it follows it's worth a watch very simple presence pr- uh, no. premise no. Um, it's just a girl is followed by several people and has to get away from them. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a deeper meaning to it, but uh, in it follows. I will call the scene uh, the tall man arriving, and people who have seen it follows know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. And another one that I jumped a lot, and this is another high recommendation for me, and this is on Netflix. Is there's two of them. The second one's not as good, but if you ever get a chance to watch VHS on Netflix, oh yeah. There's some really messed up stuff in VHS, and I was disturbed by VHS as a grown-ass man. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen VHS, there's some stuff that is going to get you, and you're going to remember it. Um, I couldn't pick out one in specific, the whole movie. I think several times I was disturbed, so that's a good one. And the one that really got me when I was little gave me nightmares. This is so dumb. The beginning of the Twilight Zone, the movie, the scene with Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd. The you want to see something really scary, and he turns around to Albert Brooks, and he's in that makeup. That always scared the crap out really? of me when I was little. <laughs> okay, uh, to to an alarming degree, uh, and I love that movie, but for some reason that one also popped into my head. But I mean, none of them made my list. But that's what honorable mentions are fun for. You can right yeah. talk about other stuff. All right, well, great. So if uh, you have some that we didn't mention, and I'm sure you have. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'd love to hear them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Check us out on uh, Neozaz has a Facebook page. It seems like a lot of what we do on Twitter seems to be directed to Halloween Horror Nights. It is, yep. Follow us on Twitter, at Neozaz, and uh, let us know yours, because uh, like we said, Halloween seems to be the time of year where we get a lot of stuff done. Is there anything else that you want to plug uh, as far as Halloween Horror Nights, Matt? Oh, um, man, I, let's see. I'm going to look at our schedule so far real quick. And I mean, we're, there's Catacombs Halloween Horror Nights, of course, if you don't already know, we cover that all year long. And our biggest, uh, 
what do you call it? Coverage comes during the month of October. All the events going on. Let's see. We've got. We really just have shows. Halloween shows for everything. I mean, we've got. You said the Grady's earlier. Some Halloween lined up for that. I'm looking on the calendar. There's a couple of specials you and I have yet to do. There's of course our War of the Worlds week. It's a full week dedicated to stuff from War of the Worlds. This one is is the most uh, extensive one we've ever done. I've gotten Eric Moore, a Brit. Who, where the story, the story actually takes place, the original one, chiming in with some really good stuff. And, oh, a podcast of horror, or Simpsons Treehouse of Horror is back, our show is back for this year, too. And that's like, that's not even half of what we got already going on. And as a little peek behind the curtain, we're recording before October, so I don't know how much we're going to have this. Summer. I, I'm pretty sure this year is going to be the biggest Halloween celebration we've had at New Year's ever. Awesome. Yeah, it's only mid September. Yep. <laughs> But as you're listening to this, it's uh, somewhere around Halloween. So happy Halloween to you. And if you like this, like Matt said, there's lots of other things for you to check out. And uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs>